Well, good afternoon. Good evening, everybody. I'm Jimmy Bratcher. I'm glad that you just chose to come and hang out with me. It's been a busy day here in Kansas City. It's like 75 degrees, and we're supposed to get snow on Friday. Welcome to Missouri. You don't like the weather? Stick around five minutes. It's going to change. But it ain't going to do no good to be whining and moaning and groaning about it. But today was a taste of the reality of what happens on Sunday. Is that right? Sunday? Let's see. Sunday, Sunday. I don't know. Is the first day of spring on Sunday? Who knows? Somebody put a comment out there. Well, I'm thrilled to be here tonight. It's been a full day for me today as I spent the day in prison. And I'm happy to be able to do that again. And I was at um, Kansas State Prison at Lansing, Kansas, which is not far from here, about, oh, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. And uh, I was scheduled to go in and do a chapel service from 9.15 to 10.15. And so I got there and I knew the chaplain from another prison and we got to talking and he said, hey, he said, there's a, there's a, baptism service going on at one o'clock would you stick around and be part of that and I'm like shoot yeah man I'm I'm all into that I had um, I had a funny incident happen it's not funny it was actually pretty cool I was at a prison um, several years ago here in Missouri at Cameron Missouri and um, one of the inmates came up to me and he was in a wheelchair and somebody was pushing him into the chapel. He said, can I ask you a question? I said, what's that? He said, um, well, he said, when they built this prison, and it was a brand new prison, they didn't put a baptistry in the chapel, so we don't have any way to be baptized. And I came to Jesus, and I want to be baptized. And so the brothers just pushed me out underneath the sprinklers. Do you think that's okay? And I'm like... I think that's just spectacular that you would come up with something like that. But anyway, so I get to be part of this baptismal service this afternoon. They had 12 men that were baptized in water, and a bunch of people came forward to believe on Jesus. So it was a it was an absolute treat for me to be there and to watch that as people expressing their faith in Jesus and coming to the Lord and and being baptized in water. So I sang, uh, for the baptismal service, I sang my song, Hey, Hey, Have You Heard, off of Honey in the Rock and the live on the 4th of July DVD. And then for the baptism, or, and then the second song I did for the baptismal service was The River, the song The River, which is a song that I wrote about baptism. I call it Living, Under, Living Life Under Water. And so I wanted to play that for you tonight. Here it is.
there you have it. I don't know if the audio was messed up on that or not, or if it was out of sync. It looked like it was out of sync on this end. I apologize for that. But um, but as I mentioned, I spent the day in prison. Got to go to a baptismal service. That's the first one I've ever gotten to go to in prison. I was thrilled to death to be part of that. And just so you'll know, I uh, was I am scheduled to be at, in prison again next week on April 1st in Ellsworth, Kansas. And uh, I've had some people ask, how can we, you know, do we, what do I need for a budget for these events? And and really for these two events, I really don't, we really don't need anything. Uh, Ellsworth, I have a little bit of a budget for that because I have to go out and spend the night on Thursday night because the chapel service that I'm doing there starts at 7.30 in the morning and that's three hours from the house. So, but we do have events scheduled in May, May 28th. We are at um, Winfield, Kansas, doing a big event on the yard. And then in June, uh, right now it's scheduled for the 24th. I'm trying to move it to the 16th. We're at Ellsworth, again, doing a big, big blowout, 950 men there. And then in June, uh, let me see, or in July, let me see when that is. Hang on. Um, July 24th, we'll be at El Dorado, Kansas, doing those events. We used to do these events where we uh, did we do a thing called the Transformation Tour, and so we'd spread an entire week or longer, and we'd just go to a, a prison every day or two a day or whatever. And uh, I decided to make a change with that and spread those out over a period of months rather than us having to go and rent a house and feed and do all the things that we have to do with that. All of the prisons that we go to in Kansas are within a, well, the furthest one out is seven hours. So so anyway, so all that stuff going, and, when, and I say that to say when we get around to that time, uh, we will start a fundraiser for those events because those will be multiple thousands of dollars involvement because we'll take the whole crew, the band, sound, uh, staging, all of that stuff to be able to do those. So anyway, let's pray. Father, help us tonight, Lord, to connect to you in a way that it impacts our life, impacts our experience, that we have a greater awareness of who you are in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, for the last three sessions, I've been talking about Luke chapter 4, verse 18, which I am calling the agenda of Jesus. Jesus goes to the synagogue, which was his custom, and he finds the scroll of Isaiah, and he finds the place where it was written, and he begins to read. And in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, this is what it says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he went on to say, these words are fulfilled in your hearing today. And uh, so we've talked about several things on this. And today I want to talk about my favorite out of this. And it's, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So it's interesting that uh, Jesus would that it would be phrased that way in Scripture. Of course, we understand that Jesus came to us from the Father. He was sent by the Father to us to 
redeem us from our own error and our own sinful ways. And man, I'm so appreciative of that because, you know, when when I came to Jesus, I was a mess. My pastor used to say, you are a wreck on a train track, the horse that came in last, just hanging on by your fingernails when Jesus found you. And that's that's the absolute truth. My sister Patsy's on here all the time. You can ask her what it was like. It was terrible. But it's interesting he says he sent me. And so if we are the representatives of Jesus, we have this sent, this sending that's happening in our life. And we are sent with a specific purpose. And this purpose that Jesus talks about here is to heal the brokenhearted. And I can't tell you how many times I read that passage of scripture, but one day, you know how it is when you read the Bible, it's like one day you've read something a hundred times and all of a sudden something jumps up off the page, grabs you by the heart, drags you back down into the book, into the word of God, and it becomes part of who you are. And I can remember the day when I read this passage of scripture and I realized, wait a minute, Jesus is interested in healing the brokenhearted. He's interested in healing our hearts. And that is like, I mean, that's just such good news that God who created us knew that our hearts were broken and he came to heal our brokenhearted, our broken hearts, heartedness. And uh, so you can tell by my lower register of my voice, I've been singing and, and preaching and doing all those things. But anyway, God, you know, one of the things that I didn't discover until, oh, I don't know, maybe uh, 2001 or something. So I'd been walking with the Lord for, you know, 20 plus years. And I didn't know that God was a heart God that the heart is is really one of the most important aspects of our uh, faith is the heart. Because first of all, the heart is the observation point of God. When God looks at us, he doesn't look at our successes. He doesn't look at our failures. He looks at our heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says that. For It says, uh, but the Lord... Um, said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so God is looking at us and he's looking at our heart. And for most of us, we, we had hearts that were broken, that were trampled on, life our sin, abuse, heartaches, all of those things affected our heart. And Jeremiah 17, 9 talks about the heart. And it says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And I learned this from my friend Jim Richards. But the word deceitful there, if you look it up in the in this excuse me, in the original language, it, it means foot-tracked. And so what that means is that our heart has these footprints on it from where it has been tracked, trampled on, stomped on, 
hurt, abused, broken, all of these things. But God is in the business of not leaving us in that condition of with a broken heart, but rather he's in that he's in the business of healing our hearts. Actually, he's in the business of giving us a new heart. When we come to Jesus, we get this new heart and it's completely different. Where our other heart was hard, stony, and indifferent, the heart that he gives us is absolutely healed, whole, with his law written on it, and it's absolutely perfect, and it's just not marred by sin, and it doesn't have all this. But God is in the in the in healing the brokenhearted business. That's his business. Psalm thirty four eighteen says, "The Lord is close to the brokenhearted." and saves those who are of a crushed spirit. And there's a lot of disappointment in our world right now. And, um, and there is all the time. It's just that maybe in our uh, connected age from social media and all of the instant 24-hour news cycle and all those things, we're more maybe aware of the tragedies and calamities that are happening. But it says here, the Lord is close to those. And I, you know, it's like he's not shunned by the fact that we have a broken heart, that we've had hardship, that we failed, that we've sinned. He's close. He's drawn near. He sees that and it's like, you know, man, I'm I'm coming into that situation. The spirit of God's going there because I have the power and authority to set that right and to heal those things. You know, one of the most one of the hardest things to overcome, I think, is uh is disappointment. And it's like anything with the, with the three letters D-I-S on it is like, you know, you just look at that, it's like, oh, this is demonic. You know, despair, distress, disappointed. One of my friends used to say that disappointment was a demon spirit. Now, I know Jesus defeated all those things, but I understand what he's saying is that when I experience disappointment, you know, I might have false expectations or whatever, but it affects my emotions and my heart. And God, you know, draws near to those things. Psalms 147 verse 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And I, I just I just love that. You know, many times on here I have... Um, I've played music by Eric Stark, my friend Eric. Eric and I are working together, writing a new album for me and and just being an encouragement to each other. You know, Eric had a uh, had a brain a tumor removed from the lining of his his brain back in August and he's still recovering from that. But in 1994, on November 9th, Eric was on his way to church. We worked at the same church together. And actually, we were, uh, Sherry and I weren't on staff at that time, but he was driving through a residential area and in a 25 mile an hour speed limit zone and a guy in a truck traveling in excess of 60 miles an hour ran a stop sign and hit him right on his on his left side in his little Toyota truck drove him into a tree and then into a wall and the result of that was his entire left side was crushed but they didn't find out until later after he got to the hospital because he kept complaining about how his chest hurt. 
and they did an x-ray and discovered that his aorta was severed, like about that much. And uh, the hospital uh, team was in surgery, small hospital, in surgery, and uh, they knew if they tried to life flight him or move him that they ran the risk of, of whatever was holding his aorta together, uh, too, which was just a, you know, he was he's a horn player, so he's got good cardio from being a horn player. But they were in surgery, and they said, well, just leave him there, and if he's alive, when we come out of surgery, then we'll work on him. And four hours later, they take him into surgery. And this was the process. They, uh, they opened him up, and they, they took his aorta, shoved it back in place, wrapped it up with gauze, and closed him back up. And so this scripture just reminded me of that, Psalm 147, 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. You know, our heart is so important. Our heart is so important because it is the dwelling place of our faith. That's where faith happens. It's not some kind of outward. It becomes an outward manifestation. You know, it is the, the things hoped for, you know, the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11 talks about. But in order for faith to be active, it has to be active in our heart. And that's the first act of our faith is confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And so faith resides in our heart. And so the beliefs of our heart really are the things that are the most important when it comes to our faith. Our belief in God is something that is so powerful. But, you know, I go back to this. There's so much confusion over, over um, the vacillation. It's been this way since uh, the beginning, since Jesus rose. It was only just a, a, you know, a short period of time before people came in and said, no, it can't just be Jesus. You know, our faith in Jesus only isn't enough. It has to be Jesus and you know, circumcision or Jesus and whatever. And the the Bible's real clear to tell us it's Jesus, period. And so our faith in Jesus has to be something that is fixed. And not just our faith in general, but our faith in the finished work of Jesus, that all Jesus did for us, he accomplished on our behalf. And I was reading this today. In fact, it was in part of my message that... Um, I shared at the prison. Let me find it. It was a really interesting verse. I shared it with Sherry. Um, I did this message at the prison today <clears throat> called God Knows Your Name, Not Your Number because, you know, those guys are identified by a number. They're no longer, their names are irrelevant in the system. And I understand, you know, that you could have two guys with the same name. They could get confused or whatever. But the reality of it is, is that God is interested in our in our name. You know, that's the thing that uh, He's interested in. But I found this verse, and it really typifies and clarifies our faith. And it's found in Romans three twenty seven and twenty eight. I'm going to read it out of the New International Version, and then I'm going to read it out of the Message. It says, "Where then is boasting? It is excluded." Because of what law? The law requires works. No, because the law that requires, no, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. 
And so I just want to visit a, a portion of this in the message. It says this, God does not respond to what we do. We respond to what he does. And our faith response in Jesus is always us responding to what he has done. Because Jesus came to take out of the way all of the handwriting of ordinances that were written against us, nailed them to the cross. And so it's not about what we do in relation to God. It's about what how we respond to what God has done for us. Now, I always have to back up and clarify this. If you're going out living like crazy and doing all kinds of stuff that's going to destroy you, you're going to reap the wages of sin, which the Bible wrote about two believers to say the wages of sin is death. That stuff's going to kill you one way or another. Born again, not born again, you start sinning, it's going to affect your life and the quality of life. But it doesn't affect God because Jesus hung on the cross and cried out, it is finished. So everything pertaining to our redemption as far as God's concerned, so God's not responding to us and those things, they were all accomplished by the cross and through the resurrection, but we are responding to what God has done for us. And so when it comes down to us believing, we need to believe what the finished work of Jesus accomplished for each of us. And that is some fabulous, fabulous news. Because it's like this. You know, I used to think as a believer that I would arrive at a place of perfection, that I would be able to do what I needed to do in such a way that it would be perfect, that I wouldn't have any shortcomings, I wouldn't have any sin in my life, all of these things, and I do strive for that. But if I would have been able to do that, then it wouldn't have been necessary for Jesus to come. It's just that simple. I wasn't able to accomplish it. You're not able to accomplish this. None of us were able to accomplish this. God knew that. So Jesus came and accomplished all of the righteous requirements of the law for us so that we would be free to experience the relationship that God desires with us on his terms, in his way, by faith in Jesus. That is some liberating good preaching. You know, our belief in God, uh, the Bible says, will never be disappointed. Pro or Romans 10, 11 says, For the scripture says, Whosoever believes in him will not be disappointed. And one of the things that I know is like one of the signs of a broken heart is our tears. They are. I mean, they're tears. Your heart's broken. You know, you have, you're in a relationship with somebody that breaks your heart. It's like one of the things that you're going to do is weep. And the Bible tells us that we are going to weep. You know, that weeping endures for a night. But... Joy comes in the morning. So weeping is okay, and we're going to do it. It's part of who we are. Jesus did it, so it's okay. But we need to have some kind of limitation on it. And I love that God is a God that wipes away our tears. In Isaiah 25, verse 8, in the Living Translation, 
It says this, he will swallow up death forever. Come on with some of that. Come on with some of that. Been way too many people dying. You know, I'm glad they're going to heaven, but it's like I'm not quite ready for them to leave yet. You know what I mean? So he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever all insults and mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken. Man, that's one of those exceeding great and precious promises that I'm believing for. That not only would he wipe away our tears, but that he would forever remove all insults and mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken it. And over in Revelations 21, verse 4, Revelation, I'm sorry, not Revelations, Revelation 21, 4. It says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there will be no more death, no sorrow, neither sorrow nor crying, and neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things have passed away. Man, I love that. I actually wrote a song called... Uh, uh, what was it called? I haven't. I recorded it, but then we didn't release it. Uh, the day when we die no more. For God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more pain, no sighing, no sorrow, and no more tears, and death will be no more. I tell people that whenever this scripture is accomplished, if I'm here on earth or if I'm in heaven, there's a party at my house and y'all are invited. Because, man, just think of the, the burden that would be lifted off of humanity when this is fulfilled. That death's wiped away, sorrow's gone, sighing's gone, crying's gone, pain is gone, all of these things. And I believe that we can experience all of those things here on earth because that was God's intention all along. So that's what I got for you tonight, about 30 minutes worth of stuff. But before we go, I want to take a moment and just pray for our friend Pam Summers. Pam, we got a message last night. Pam was having a hard time uh, breathing. She's been fighting a fight, man, and she is like relentless in her faith. She is like determined. She's going to get up off of that sick bed. And so I just want us to agree our faith with for Pam and for anyone else that's sick and suffering, you know, like I mentioned, Eric, Eric's still recovering from the surgery and regaining his strength. Sherry's suffering with anemia right now, and she's fatigued and tired, and she's suffering with that. Her son, Jason, is recovering from surgery on a fractured shoulder. All of the, and there's just, you know, the list goes on and on. But listen, I want to tell you something. I'm not seeing all the healings that our friend Kendall McKay in uh, Knoxville, Iowa. Kendall's a young man. He's has cancer. He's doing surgery, and he's a fighter, and we're going to believe for him to be healed. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you that healing is our bread. Jesus, that you accomplished all of that that was necessary to pay the price for us to be completely healed on the cross, by your scourging, the stripes on your back, Lord. And you are a scarred king. And Lord, I thank you that heaven bears witness. And Lord, so I send healing to Pam, to Kendall, 
to Sherry, to Jason, to everyone that's listening tonight, Lord, that needs healing in their body. Lord, heal us. Raise us up. Let health be our portion. Lord, when it comes time for us to transition from from this life into eternity, Lord, let us lay our heads down on our pillows, go to sleep and sleep, have sweet sleep and wake up in heaven. And Lord, I believe that for myself and for everyone listening. We thank you that you are the God who heals our broken hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I will be back on Sunday morning and uh, we'll be hanging out talking about something. Let's see, what are we going to talk about on Sunday? We're going to talk about proclaiming liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. God is so good to us. I hope that you are connecting to him um, by faith from your heart and that you're believing for complete and total transformation to see the benefit of everything that Jesus died and accomplished for us to experience. I love you all. All right, I'm stopping. I'm out of here. Adios.